At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Unstoppable, Bound in His Love, Freed by His Spirit, where we're journeying through what many call the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, to uncover a more lasting force than hard work and a more enduring purpose than momentary success. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to, uh, to be with you guys. Again, um, I was talking to Laura this week, and we, uh, we realized it's been two years since I've preached here at Chesterfield. It doesn't feel like that long because I used to preach all the time here, and it's been, it's been two years, so it's good to be back with you guys. Um, you know, if those of you that know me know I'm a very routine kind of guy. Um, I have a pre-sermon routine, if you will, on Saturday nights. It's very, very routine-based, if you will. And so my routine is, was completely messed up yesterday um, because I promised my son I would take him hunting. So I took him hunting. That kind of interrupted my sermon series, like prep, you know, like, and so but we did that. We had fun. I had time to prep during that time. Got, you know, mostly back in routine that in the evening, and then last night, right around 1.22 exactly, that all-familiar sound, if you're a parent, you know this sound that will wake you up out of a dead sleep that will get you to the kitchen and get a bucket to your kid's room as fast as you possibly can. Yeah, Caleb must have ate something weird last night because he was up half the night. It was awful, like, it was everywhere. Yep, so uh, my pre-sermon routine got interrupted even again with that because I like to get a good night's sleep. But I will say this, I had a lot of time to pray last night because I was awake half the night. So if anything, I got closer to God through that. So I don't know what's going to help the sermon at all, but at least I had that moment for me. But we're in Romans. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 8. If you've been following along with us, if you've been attending, you've seen this, that we've been kind of going systematically through the book of Romans right? One through seven, we kind of moved kind of at a good pace through that. And then we got to Romans chapter eight and we decided to just, we're going to hit the brakes as hard as we possibly can. And we're going to spend five weeks on Romans chapter eight. So we're in week four of that five week mini series called Unstoppable, right? So we're in the midst of that series. And as we're going through that, we're going to see a few things that Paul's kind of showing us through this book of Romans. And if you've read some of Paul's letters, whether it's the Romans, the Corinthians, to the Ephesians, they're all kind of set the same way, all right? They they say very similar things-ish, but they're all kind of set the same way. The first few chapters are always, this is who you were before Jesus. These are the things you had to do to earn salvation. You had to, if you did this, then you had to do this. You had to sacrifice this. You had to offer this. This is who you once were. Middle of his, usually the middle of it is, but God, this is what he did for us so that no, you don't have to do that anymore. And then the end of the book is always, this is how you ought to live. So we're in the middle of, this is what God has done for us so that we don't have to go back to that way of living of, do I have to do this and have to do that and have to follow these rules? And if I mess up this way, I have to do this. He's like, this is that moment right in the midst of Romans chapter eight. He's like, this is what God has done for you. And it's a beautiful thing. The, the, the big idea today that I want us to realize and kind of wrap our heads around is that God, in all that he is, has done, not is doing, but has already done everything we need to get us all the way home. He's already done it for us. And it's a beautiful thing. Paul's going to break it down three different ways of how he's already done that for us. And so we're going to go, we're in Romans Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 26. And before we read, I always like to just pray, God, 
to use this, these words that we're about to read here. So let's just bow our heads quick and pray over this word. God, our Heavenly Father, we are, um, we're just thankful for your word. We pray that you just open our hearts, um, clear our minds of any distractions going around, and just help us to use what we're about to hear, what we're about to learn, and use it to glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first thing that we see that Paul or that Paul kind of writes and says, this is what Jesus has already done for us, God has done for us, is he sends us a helper. He sent us a helper to help us through the ins and the ups and the downs of our daily lives. And this is how it reads in uh, verse 26. It says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He sent us a helper. He sent us the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness. When I, when I think of the Holy Spirit, and I'm gonna be honest with you guys, like the Holy Spirit to me, I'm not a very spiritual person. I'm very like matter of fact, if I could say that. It's not that I forget that the Holy Spirit is there. I just, it's not, it's this like mystical thing. And, and when, when I read this and as I studied more and more and more about this, like the Holy Spirit is actually a very real person that does stuff that works in us, that works through us and in us. And so the way when I started studying more, we see that the Holy Spirit in Matthew chapter four, when Jesus was led out to wilderness, right, to, be, um, to talk to Satan, to, right, this Holy Spirit led him out there. The Holy Spirit's working. God uses the Holy Spirit to lead Jesus out into the wilderness, the Holy Spirit is a very real thing. And again, I'm bad at that. That's something that I'm working on to be better at. But like when it comes to the Holy Spirit, like it's just, I'm not that kind of a person. But yet, the Holy Spirit is very real. He's very real. He's there working in us. And Paul's saying, God has sent a helper. When Jesus was on the earth walking and talking with his disciples, he said, I'm with you now, but when I leave, there's a helper coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. And so we have to realize that, that, that what is God has done, the way he's helping us and done those things for us to get all the way home is he sent us the Holy Spirit to intercede for us when we're weak. And, when, and, and, and specifically in our prayers, which is awesome because like, like, I'm not a great prayer guy either. Like some of you people that pray, like, man, it is just amazing the way you guys pray. The elegance that just radiates from the way you speak when you pray. That's not me, obviously. You just heard it. It's very basic. Matter of fact, God help us, right? Like, but there's the Holy Spirit is there interceding for those prayers that are kind of weak. Because he knows the heart of God and he knows the heart of man and he intercedes in between. They're like, that's not really what they're asking for, God. Like, they really, they're seeking you. Help them to understand that better. But our prayers, they're just so like weak and mundane sometimes. We pray for a bigger house. We pray for new cars, a better job so we can have more money to buy things we really don't need, right? And the reality is, is like as we start praying for those things, like I get to this point where like I don't really believe this. I don't think God really cares about your house. He doesn't. He cares what you're doing with it. Right? He doesn't care really what career that you've picked. Like, pick a career. Maybe some of you have been called to a certain career. Awesome. But realistically, what are you doing in that career? Some people are electricians, linemen, those, those kind of workers that are around some people that, man, it's just, it's not good work areas. Right? Like, if you've worked in the trades, man, whoo, those guys, some of the stuff that comes out of their mouths, God, give me a better job so I don't have to deal with that. No, God, give me a heart to show you to these people. 
Like, that's what our prayer should be. Not, God, can I have a bigger house that I really don't need? Like, God cares about, like, where you're living so you can, like, show people Christ around you. Those are the prayers. And the Holy Spirit, through the sanctification process, is there working through us and in us so that our prayers might change, not about us, but about him. Right? Our prayers have to be geared towards God because this, at the end of the day, that's all that matters is him, his glory. The second thing that we're going to see that Paul kind of breaks down here is that um, our circumstances are synergized for our good. And another way to say that, right, another way to say that is our circumstances, whether they're good or bad, are for good, right? Because the, the reality is, is as things come and go, right, good things and bad things, it molds us, it shapes us. And if that's all we're like trying to like look at is only the good parts, we're missing the boat. And Paul says this in verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Favorite verse, it's not one of my favorite verses, it's just my favorite coffee cup verse. Like I've seen him on t-shirts, I've seen it on coffee mugs, right? All things work together for good. But we, we manipulate that in our mind. We really do. Like we, we, we want to say all good things work together for good. We forget about the bad things. Right? Like, we've created a culture and somewhat even a religion that says, hey, when you give your life to the Lord, man, you just name it, you claim it, and everything's going to be great. Right? Like, it's going to be amazing. Like, life is supposed to be easy. Just own it, and it's going to be better. And nowhere in this book, in the Bible, does it say that that's going to happen. The only place it happens is when we're gone off this earth with Jesus in heaven. That's where that happens. In the meantime, there's ups and downs. There's goods, there's bads. We all know it. If, you've been, if you haven't been a Christian very long, you, you might have not realized this. There's going to be a moment in your life where you're like, God, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Why me? Like, there's a real harsh reality when that happens. Like, there's going to be hard times in our lives. And it's what we do with those hard times. Or do we just sink and walk away from God? Or do we dig deeper into his word and closer to him? One of my favorite stories to kind of reiterate this analogy is the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. His brothers sold him in slavery. And that was the better of the two deals, right? They took him out to the wilderness to murder him because they were jealous of him. So the better side of that was like, hey, let's just sell him to, uh, into slavery because if we kill him, dad's going to be kind of upset. So we'll sell, him into, we'll sell him into slavery. And his life from there, if you really dig in and read it, fulls of ups and downs. It was average at first. He worked his way up really close to Pharaoh and was as high and had good po- a lot of power and, and say and influence. He was accused of things that he did not do, and he's thrown in prison. And not prison like we think of prison, right? But we're talking dungeon prison. Like awful. The worst you could imagine, he's thrown into that. And in the midst, God's using him. And, and you can't, you got to question, like there's nowhere in the Bible where it says that Joseph actually would have questioned like, God, why me? But man, like, you had it all. Like, you were with your father. Like, your dad, like, loved you. He spoiled you. You were his favorite, and you were sold into slavery. Like, God, like, why would you let that happen to me? Like, I've only served you. And at the end of that whole story of Joseph's ups and downs, the, f- the most famous line, that which you did for evil, right, God used for good. In the midst of our ups and downs, in the midst of, like, bad things happening to us, the loss of loved ones, the depression, the loneliness, right? God's using that to shape you, to mold you so that at the end of the day, you can glorify him in your life. 
That's what Joseph ended up doing. Like Joseph's entire life was just glorifying God in all that he did, in all that he spoke, the way he lived his life. God used it for good. Daniel, just going through the book of Daniel myself, the ups and downs of Daniel's life, right? He's taken captive by the Chaldeans. And then he works his way up to King Nebuchadnezzar and he's like number two in charge. And then Nebuchadnezzar dies, Daniel's nobody again. And then Belshazzar has a dream and Daniel works his way up again and interprets a dream and becomes this high and mighty and Belshazzar dies and boom, down he goes to nobody again. And then King Darius comes in, right? Like, can you imagine like the emotional roller coaster Daniel must have been going through? Like one minute I'm rich, wealthy and have everything and then the next minute I'm just nobody, right? What did, what, God used those moments for, our, for Daniel's good and for his glory. He uses those circumstances. So we should not look and go, man, we just want it to be easy. Like we just, if everything's just perfect and hunky-dory and easy, like, man, that scares me when it is. I was talking to John, who's the guitar player up here. He's like, how's everything going? I'm like, everything seems really good, which makes me a little nervous, right? When things are going really good, like, <laughs> what's coming down the pipeline, right? Like something, there's bad things are always going to be around us. It's how we deal with them. Do we just fold and walk away from church? Do we walk away from our family of, of believers? Or do we dig in closer? Do we dig our heels in and say, God, in the midst of this difficult time, I'm going to glorify you. James says it in James chapter 1. I love James because it's very matter of fact and practical. Those that you don't know, like, I always preach on James. It's my favorite. He's counted all joy, brothers, when you go through trials of various kinds. And it's not a joy of like, yay, everything's awful. Like my house is burning down. I've lost everything. Like, hey, no. In here, find joy in those moments because you know God is doing a good work in you. And one of my favorite authors, he wrote this. He goes, that which God wants to do through you, he must do in you first. When you go through those trials, those ups and downs, he's using it for our good and his glory. The last thing that we're going to see that kind of Paul writes on here is this, that our future is secured in glory. Our future is secured in glory. And we're going to read this, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that, we might be, that he might be firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so when we see this, like this idea that all things, right, like all things work together, good and bad, right? And those who he foreknew, he predestined. Now there's this chain. Some people call it the golden chain of salvation. There's a systematic thing that kind of happens that we're going to walk through. I'm going to do my best not to screw this up, okay? Like just hear my heart. I'm going to try my hardest not to screw this up because there's some big words in here that get, I think, once they get, they get misused, they get misinterpreted. So this idea of foreknown and predestined, they're very similar in meaning, right? What foreknown doesn't mean, it's not this, it's that God knows, like God does know what's gonna happen, but he, gets, he picks you and he chooses to do what he wants to do with you, right? He sees the future and he says, they're saved, they're not saved, they're saved. They're not. That's not what that means. The idea of being foreknown is that God is outside of the realm of time. See, we as humans are inside of time. Most of us, Right, if we're lucky, can remember yesterday, maybe the day before that. After that, it kind of gets a little hairy for most of us over 40, right? But we can't see into the future. God sees it all in one picture. I'm not a flat earther, but think of a snow globe. He sees it all at once. 
okay? And he sees it, he sees 30, you know, 30 minutes ago he saw, 30 minutes past that he's seeing at the same time. So the idea of foreknown is that he knows you. He knows us. And it goes back to the old covenant of the Old Testament that he knows his people and he loves them. That's it. He knows you. He loves you. That's it. And he predestined you for a glorious task. He predestined us for a glorious task. So he loves us. The idea of being predestined is that he wants us to be conformed to the image of Christ. There it is. That's the whole thing. We, we sometimes dig too deep into it. Like, well, does God pick me and then I don't get to choose? Or how does that? No. He loves you. That's what that means. And he wants you to be like Jesus. That sanctification process of working towards being more like Christ. He is the firstborn. Not that he is like with God when the creation of the world, but he is the firstborn amongst many brothers of Christ followers. That's a beautiful thing. We are with Christ. Like we are brothers with Jesus. Like he's God. You guys realize what he's done for us on that cross? And we get to call him brother. That's such an amazing idea that God wants that for us. He loved us. He chose us to be like Christ. And in that process, we are working towards that always. And then he goes, for those who he predestined, he called. The idea of called, it goes back to this. Paul uses it twice in Romans, once in chapter four and once here. The idea of being called is this. It's nothing that you did. You're not an amazing person. And that way God picked you. You might be amazing, but that's not why he picked you. He called you saying this, it is by faith alone. It is by faith alone. That idea of being called is by faith alone. Right? And he says it in, in, in chapter four, he talks about how, um, why can't I think of it? But yeah, he just, he talks about the idea of being, cho- or being called, which is by faith alone. Abraham, it was counted righteous in the eyes of God because of what he did. He was called by God. And so Paul, again, knowing his audience knows that they're still thinking it's do this, do this, do this. And he's saying it's not about doing this. It's about faith in Christ alone. Have that faith. There's that called. So he, he foreknew, right? He predestined, he called, and then he justified. And in the midst of that, like, I love justification and adoption. If you're in the men's ministry at all, when we, when we go through that, we, like, we spend an entire 45 minutes talking about adoption and justification, I love it when you give your life to the Lord, when you have that prayer of, God, forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry for what I've done. I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And there's this conversion process of, I once was this person, but now I'm this person, right? And I'm going towards you versus just living for myself. When that process takes place, like, you are adopted into his family instantly. Like, we're in. We're justified in that moment. We are declared righteous, if you will, in the eyes of God. Our past sins, our present sins, our future sins, forgiven. It's such a beautiful place to live. Although for those of us that are kind of like very matter of fact, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. Like, is that really, like, am I really forgiven? Is that something that's really going on? Like, how do I know? Like it, but like, it's a beautiful feeling of just having that comfort, knowing that like, we are called, so it's by faith alone. And then we're justified. We are declared righteous in the eyes of God. It's such a beautiful thing. The last thing that we're going to see in this is that um, it's the glorification process. Those whom he justified, he also will glorify. And so this, this idea of glorification, right, this is where it ends for us, in heaven with God ultimate glory. If you go back to um, 
chapter 8, verse 18, Paul writes this. I love this verse. He goes, For I consider that the, the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. The idea of the beauty, the magnificence of being in heaven with God. Like, that's the end game. That's why when I hear things like live your best life now, it drives me crazy. How depressing. Right? Because, like, I don't know about you, but there's been people around me that have passed away that shouldn't have. They were too young. Why? Like, already? Right? Living our best life now, this, this idea, like, it, it baffles my mind that we would even think that we'd want to do that. There's suffering. There's loneliness. There's pain. Can you imagine none of that? When we're in heaven, none of that exists. And that's where we have to wrap our minds around. And when you do that, when that whole concept, when, when, you, when our trajectory changes, our mindset changes to being in glory with God, everything around us changes too. Because here's the thing, when Paul's writing this letter, understand what the Romans or the, the Jews in Rome were going through. Understand it. It was the worst of the worst. I don't think we can actually comprehend it. I know we, there's people in here that have it rough. Understand how bad it is for them in Rome. So the Romans came in and they took all the Jewish people captive. They overtook their, their nation and now they're living in Rome amongst the Romans. But it's not really living amongst, it's kind of living in the same city-ish. And what they're doing is this. You guys live over there, we live over here. Do not shop at our shops, do not work for, like, at best you're our slaves. Again, for the Jewish nation, amazing. Israel, slaves again, who would have thought, right? But at best they're slaves. So it was worse, but the only good news for them in Rome was that they had power in numbers. At least they had their synagogues, they had their churches, they had their friends, they had their people. They could at least meet with that. But it was awful. The Romans could do whatever they wanted to you and nobody would stop them. Take your shoes, take your shirt, take your house. There was only one worse off person, persons, in Rome at the time. And that were Jews that started following Jesus. Because now you don't even have power in numbers. You would come home from wherever you were and somebody's living in your house, right? They didn't even throw your stuff to the curb. They're keeping your stuff. It's so bad for them that you, our brains can't really fathom how awful it is. And Paul's writing this part, this, this letter to those people. God has done everything for us to see us all the way home. He's already done it. Know that. Have confidence in your salvation. Have confidence in the fact that he did love you, that he wants you to be in the image of Christ, that he's called you so it's nothing that you do. It's by faith alone, right? Have faith, have confidence in that. Know that he has forgiven you for your sins, that Jesus dying on the cross, wiping our sins clean, and that sanctification process of us putting our old selves to death and rising and creating this new creature like baptism, our, self, our old self being put to bed and our new self rising, to live a new life, a life that is trajected towards God. Like we're no longer living horizontally, we're living vertically. Our prayers are no longer horizontal for stuff and more stuff and more stuff. Our prayers are vertically. God, use me, change my heart, help me to glorify you in all things, help people to see you in me, my neighbors, my coworkers, meet me where I'm at. Help me understand, like, help me just glorify you and where I'm at in life. Like, if I'm at my job, with my kids, with my spouse, whatever that looks like, God, use that. Don't just be a genie in a bottle to me. He doesn't want that. 
He wants you to glorify him. Our lives need to glorify him. And so when you think of the idea of predestined and called and foreknown, there's, there's always that question, was that me? Like, am I predestined? Am I called? Am I, have, has he foreknown me? And here's, if you've had that prayer with him, where you've bowed your head, you've closed your eyes, God, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart, change my heart. I want to glorify you. I want to serve you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior from this point forward. Here's the answer. Yes. You are predestined. You're foreknown. You've been called. Yep, that's you. It's a beautiful thing. If you're sitting there and that conversation with Jesus hasn't happened yet. Dave, I hear what you're saying, right? Like, but that's not me. I haven't done that. I haven't had that prayer. I haven't had that moment where I've broken down and said, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. If you haven't had that, like, so am I being called then? Yeah, right here, right now. He's calling you right here, right now. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. God, I am sorry for who I am. Please forgive me for my sins. Change my heart. Help this transformation, this sanctification process start to begin in my life so that everything I do, all my stuff, all my things that I'm about is for you. And we know that in that moment, that is God getting us all the way home. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.